If you had to describe what you do between DJing, digging through the crates, cool kids vinyl, all that you do in one word, what would it be? I would say uh, self-expression at the end of the day. It's all self-expression at the end of the day and expressing my creativity. And I don't know, a big thing for me is, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, whatever you enjoy doing, you can monetize and see some type of revenue from. So I've always kind of like taken that and not tried to really like feed into a trend or anything that everybody else is doing. I've always been interested in records. I've always been interested in music, live music, and just some facets of entertainment. So just building my own community within that and finding a foundation to actually build upon and then actually putting it in action. So at the end of the day, it's all self-expression of creativity. I'm Elise Ellis, and this is A Few Minutes a podcast where I ask my favorite creatives and entrepreneurs my burning questions about their passions, inspirations, and how their careers came together. From Black DJs to designers, I hope the next uh, 30 minutes inspires your journey and leaves you ready to flex your creative muscle. This episode's guest is Matt Talley, business owner, author, content strategist, DJ, multi-hyphenate, you name it, based in D.C., You may know him from his all-vinyl event, Digging Through the Crates, or his record shop and bookstore, Cool Kids Vinyl and Coffee. You'll hear more about his creative ventures, a heartwarming story about Biz Marquis, and more in just a few minutes. So, when and where did you first get into live music and records? Well, I've always been into music. I think records a, a little bit later, but I've always been around music or been around entertainment. My like younger years was the blog era. <laughs> what I mean by blog era, not just like music as far as the blog era, but specifically the blog era. People having their own websites, people having their own blogs, people having their own Tumblrs. I, I kind of come from like that. Like that was my younger years. But I was uh, talking to somebody actually last night about it. It was like the last time of like really organic grassroots movements. Like everything now is like by the time I find out about something, like whether it be like new music or a new artist or a new clothing line or anything new, I feel like it's already established. Like (laughs) these things already have like huge followings and things are sold out or things are like moving in a direction where it's like, okay, this is going to be a big thing. Like the sense of discovery, it's it's so small now compared to what it used to be. So getting into like different facets of entertainment, whether it be fashion, whether it be art, whether it be music, especially back then, it was just a little bit more organic. I can like try different shit and experiment with different shit. So, you know, I first started DJing, I would say, this is like like 2014, 2015, just because I was around it, you know, and interning for different musicians and artists and working in different studios. I was always into like graphic design and art. I was always into food, which leads me into working at Maketo, you know what I'm saying? And having my endeavors through there. So like very early on, it was easier to kind of gravitate to different forms of creativity. And you plant those seeds and you look up, you know, six years later, seven years later, eight years later, now comes, you know, the full circle or full culminated ideas in what you want to do. Or I've been DJing for six, seven, eight years now. So now I have the confidence to take on these bigger gigs and do these bigger shows. So it, it starts of like your foundation and where you come from. 
So to your next, I would say, quote, unquote, venture, Digging Through the Crates, hosted with DJ Alizé. From my understanding, I never went to one, but my sister went to a few of them and she raved about it. And I'm just in love with the concept of like people picking records and then DJs in the moment turning that into the vibe of the party and like really picking up on what the crowd is feeling and what is going on. How did you meet Alizé and what was the origin of the idea? I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I've known Alizé so long, I don't remember when I met him. I, I mean, I, I've known Alizé since I was a teenager and I'm, I'm about to be 30. So like I've known Alizé for as, for as long as I've been doing this. I, I could say that. Um, but the idea came about whereas as like, you know, Alizé's always been a vinyl guy, always been a vinyl head. Um, that's the one thing about him. If you don't know anything about him, you should know that. I mean, one, he's a, he's a great DJ, but he, he thrives off of physical music, you know? That just always stuck with me. And for me, fast forward, I started collecting records, I would say like 2014, 2015, just off a spur of the moment type of thing. I got a record player and was kind of getting into it. I eventually started working at a record shop as well. But the whole like ding through the crates idea, it was something that I'm going to be honest, me and Alizé always did. When he was living in LA, I would come to the crib, I would go through his collection, or I would like bring over some records I just bought. He always had a turntable ready and he would just spin and I would give him shit. And I'm like, yo, play this. Man, I wonder how this sounds. Play this. It just kind of started like an organic thing. And he had a studio here in D.C. on 9th Street a few years ago. I don't know if it's still open or not. And we would just powwow. We would get together a few people. We would have records. And it just kind of like culminated into like, hey, man, like this can be something. We can like do this, like put like people and shit. Like, <laughs> like we can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like as an event, like, I mean, we just here digging through crates. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is it. So I've always been a collector of not just physical music, but hip hop memorabilia. I've always like kept my magazines, my XXLs, my Jets, the Vibe magazines, cassettes, different like old video games. I was always a hoarder as a kid. So I, I, I never threw this stuff away. So I've always had this material that I've been sitting on, but nowhere to really apply it to. So I think that it kind of like was a glove fit for the Digging Through the Crates event and just built upon there. And it was just at one point in my life, for at least like 18 months, I was just traveling the country trying to find hip hop memorabilia and buying up all this different hip hop memorabilia. And it kind of culminated into the event. I mean, fast forward, we've had, you know, different sponsorships. Right before the pandemic, we did our first like five city tour. That was really, really good. So it's been cool. And I mean, like, you know, going into this year as well, like we've been having talks about Digging Through the Crates and bringing that back as well. But you know, me and Alize has always talked about, you know, just having the right timing and just making sure like folks are comfortable like doing that again, because it is a very personal event. I mean, you're interacting with the DJ, you're interacting with people around you. Everybody's touching the same records. <laughs> so like it can be like a really big like COVID no-no. So I think we've been really, really strategic and, you know, smart about the timing of bringing the event back, but I genuinely have fun, you know, digging through records and giving it to the DJ. Like it almost brings you back to like that organic feel of how hip hop felt early on, um, you know, interacting with physical music and interacting with the actual DJ, you know? What was one of your favorite times where someone has handed you or Alizé a record and you all created a moment out of that? Oh yeah. Our first time doing LA was really, really dope. It was a really cool experience. And we had, more people there than we anticipated. And Alize was playing 
It was a Nate Dogg record. Nate Dogg, Nobody Does It Better. And somebody handed him a Go-Go record. I think it was like a Chuck Brown record or something. And just the way that he like blended Chuck Brown and Nate Dogg at that moment. And it's like, damn, like we are coming from the city. This is like our first event in LA. Like, I don't know. It just kind of like felt like an alignment of, of sorts. You know what I'm saying? But that is one of my many favorite moments of, of digging through the crates. It's been really, really fun. <laughs> and, it's, and it's cool to see people like being into records. Everything goes through phases, of course. But like coming back from the pandemic, I feel like a lot more people have gotten into like physical records too because they've had more time to sit at home. We really didn't see that before the pandemic. But, you know, when that point in time when people were still quarantining and not leaving the house a lot of people was either like buying records or anything like involving vinyl um but even before the pandemic it was just always surprising to see like how many people would come out to an event where like the focal point of the event is the dj it's not necessarily a rapper it's not necessarily somebody posting it it's not like this like bad instagram chick like sitting in a section and like you're buying tickets for that it's something that you can actually engage in something that you can interact with the talent that's there to have like a ninth wonder for example like spinning the vinyl that you pick and you walking up to him and telling him hey i love this album like i love this record like me and my girlfriend, like we got married to this song, da da da, and like asking him to play it, and then he plays it. Like you don't get that experience anywhere. And at the same time, there's no boundaries either. Nothing's taped off, nothing's roped off. Whenever we book like an artist, either to like perform there or like host there, it's very organic. It's free flowing. Like we did a uh, currency in LA, and a lot of people were surprised that like he was walking around, he was interacting with other people, he was you know picking the music himself. He was bugging out with other people about like, oh, I didn't even know this was on vinyl. How can they have this? Like, so you get that experience, but also with like, you know, a person that you most likely sought after. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, I'm coming to this event because it's dope. But like, man, currency's gonna be here. Or like, yo, like Vashti's hosting this thing. Or like, and you actually get to like have an interaction with that person. Like, I think that is what, especially in this day and age when like social media is so prevalent, that's the bang for the buck that people get coming to the event. On top of like it being uh, an embodiment of like our culture, you know? Fortunately for all of us, Digging Through the Crates has returned with their first post-pandemic event in Washington, D.C. But right before the world shut down, Matt threw a digging through the crates where the late Biz Marquis got on the ones and twos. Tell me about the night Biz Marquis was there. What was it like, and do you view it differently now that he's passed? Man, that was probably the crazy experience that we had at Digging Through the Crates. To give you a backstory of it, I went to L.A. one time. Alizé was living in L.A. for a few years, so I would go out there and visit him a lot. And uh, one of the earlier times I went to go visit him and really, like, tell him about, like, hey, like, I know we talked about it, but, like, this whole digging through the crates thing, like, I have an idea, I have a concept. That trip out there, explaining that to him, we went to go see Biz. I told Alizé about it, and he was like, yo, like, we should get Biz's opinion on this. And Biz had a show. This is going to be a story. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just painting a picture for you, okay? Because it's a story. I, I, it's a very legit story. So he's like, yo, uh, Biz is spinning at the House of Blues in Anaheim. That is on the grounds of Disneyland. So he's like, yo, Biz has a performance in Anaheim. It's like an hour and a half drive, maybe like two hours. If you want to make it, we can. And I'm like, all right, cool. I don't have anything to do tonight. Let's do it. So we take the drive. We go to Anaheim. We go to House of Blues. 
it's people there, and this is Biz on his what was it called? The eighties versus nineties tour, and it was an all vinyl tour. It was just Biz spinning records from the 80s and 90s. This is a sold out crowd. This is like 2,000 people just to see Biz Marquis stand up and DJ. Like it was nobody else on stage. It blew my mind. And I'm like, wow, people will actually come out to this type of thing. Like I know I would, but for me, it's like I live inside my head. I don't know if people are going to pay $30, $40 just to like stand and watch a DJ. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know, you know? So, like, to see that, I'm like, wow, like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I know we can do this. I know we can do this. So we get there, we're backstage, we're talking to Biz, we're telling about it, and he's just like, yo, like, it's genius. Like, look at what I'm doing right now. He was like, yo, I do, like, at least 40 dates of this. And he's like, yo, like, people people love this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, it's hip-hop. And I'm like, yo, nah, that's it. We're doing this. Like, <laughs> we're doing this. And, you know, the the time that we got biz, it was it was the one that I was least expecting. Like ever since that conversation and our whole like culmination of digging through the crates, we've tried to get biz to do almost every digging through the crates. We tried to get him at DC twice. We tried to get him in New York. We tried to get him for Art Basel. I mean, it just goes to show like, yo, he was one of the hardest working acts still at that time. Like he was booked. He did at least 100 shows a year. Like, literally, you know? So it's like, yo, like, his availability is just so crazy. So this time, we get the text, like, an hour before the event. And this is the one digging through the crates where we didn't even ask. Like, all right, man, whatever, bro. Like, we're going to do this joint. Like, you know, like, we didn't even think about Biz. And an hour before, I was like, he was like, yo, Biz told me he coming. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, like. I told him about it last week, but like, I ain't really asked him to come. I just told him we was having a joint. I'm back home. We don't dig through crates next week. Boop, boop, boop. And he was like, yo, he said he coming tonight. And I'm like, I don't know, man. He said the same thing in New York and he didn't come. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. So I kind of didn't want to think about it. And then sure enough, like an hour later, I was, he was like, yo, biz outside. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. This is really real. And when he came through, he came, I mean, of course, he goes with his wife everywhere. So it was him and his wife. They was chilling, you know. And for that particular one, we had, like, all the old school DJs of D.C. So we had, like, Quicksilver. We had DJ Iron. Like, we had Alizé. So it was almost like a reunion type because a lot of people don't know Biz used to work at the radio station. So he knows Iron. He knows Quicksilver. Like, they sat in those mixer meetings every day for years. So it was a good reunion for him as well. And to have him spin, like, you know, he has, like, gold, like, 45s. These are, like, custom-made records. I don't know. It was, it was, man, it was crazy. And then a few weeks later, he was in the hospital, you know? And after he passed, you know, I talked to Alizade on the phone for a long time, and he was like, yeah, I was talking to his wife, and his wife reminded me, like, yo, like, we had so much fun that night. It's pictures of, like, Biz's wife holding my dog. I bring my dog to that event. Yo, it's crazy. Like, it's so crazy. And she was like, yeah, like, that was one of the, if not his last event he did before he started feeling sick and he went in the hospital. And I'm like, damn, like, for us trying to chase Biz, for him to tell us to do this event and then spend years chasing him, you know what I'm saying, to get him to do the event, and then it's the last thing that he does is like, yo, like, man, this is crazy you know so like that i mean after his death like that kind of like 
I don't know, it put a lot of things in perspective for me. It just made me think, you know, I have to treat this very serious and hold it in very high regard because those things don't happen every day or those experiences don't happen every day. You know, those little small nuances and those small conversations that equal up to the experience that we had. So, I mean, that that is my, my biz marquee digging through the crate story. <laughs> Matt isn't a one-trick pony. After digging through the crates came Cool Kids Vinyl. Located on the second floor of DC's Maketo, Cool Kids Vinyl takes the energy of digging through the crate and puts it into a brick-and-mortar business, selling records, coffee, and hip-hop memorabilia. I'm kind of pulling this thread here, and you keep talking about the importance, but also the resurgence of these physical experiences, whether it's records, an actual party, and it makes me wonder about Cool Kids Vinyl and why you gravitated towards a brick and mortar space. I feel like right now we're in this pandemic. Some people think we're in a post-pandemic world where a lot of things are digital. We have NFTs, we have Instagram Live, but here you are selling records and hip hop themed coffee. I can visit the space, I can touch things, I can chill out, I can eat. Why is that important to you and what does it offer to you creatively? It's, it's important because it creates and builds and nurtures community. And as I get older, that's the one thing that I'm invested in. I'm not an NFT guy. I'm not a Bitcoin guy. I invest in people and community of people because that is where you see a change. I don't really see a change with like my, my Bitcoin numbers and everything. I see more change in people and doing a service for them. So it's dope that I can build a community of people and actually serve them as well and create a space where they can come and work and create within it. So that was important to me. And also just the availability, you know, working at Maketo for years and like having a place where it's my job, but at the same time, I can be myself, I can be creative. You know, we can create within there, whether it be drinks on the menu, whether it be an experience for guests. So, you know, taking advantage of our dormant second floor was like a really, really good opportunity. A, to kind of like have a place where, you know, to like stash all this, like digging through the crate shit, <laughs> but also set up shop, you know what I'm saying? And take that next step into having a brick and mortar. So that's, you know, having accounts with Tashin and Simon and Schuster to sell books, whether it's, you know, developing a really good connection with Three Keys Coffee, one of the top, uh, not just black owned roasters, but just one of the top roasters in America right now. They make just damn good coffee. They just so happen to be black. Having a relationship with them, a relationship with Warner Music, you know, to have distribution, to buy vinyl straight from the label. If you have those opportunities, it's like, all right, cool. And it changed the business model of Maketo too, which I'm really proud of, you know? So even when I eventually move on, the record shop is still gonna be there. And that's a big, big accomplishment for me. One of the coolest things about Cool Kids Vinyl is the effort and intention Matt put into designing the space. I remember my first visit, and there were TVs all over playing scenes from New Jack City. From Sean Brown rugs to the records he chooses to feature, it feels very Black, and there's a reason behind it. I mean, like, one, like, just keeping up with culture, you know, one. Um, two, supporting Black people. <laughs> it's important that, you know, being on A Street where everything has been flipped and gingerfied, and so like, you just see shoes, and you're like, this is a restaurant? Like, you know, for me, it's creating a space and keeping it updated to the point where people feel comfortable to be there. I remember like when places like Union Market opened up or like I would be certain places on U Street, like I don't feel welcomed. A lot of places are cool, but I feel like it's not a lot of people that look like me 
that either will be here or that's even behind the scenes here. So I don't feel comfortable, you know what I'm saying? Let alone be comfortable enough where I spend every day here or I spend a certain amount of money with you, you know what I'm saying? Or if I'm going to buy coffee every day, I want to buy it at a place where I feel comfortable, where I feel comfortable with the space, where I feel comfortable with the people that work in that space. For me, it's making sure that people feel comfortable and that we got our finger on the pulse. We know what's important. We know what's cool. We know what to support. And we know what it should look like. That's me in updating that space every day, whether it's down to the plants. We use a Black-owned plant service that is locally... Come on now. (laughs) Come on now. Everything is either local or supported or created by Black people. You know, I'm not going to say Maketo taught me that, but Maketo does that model too, especially with our coffee program. A lot of people love Maketo's food. I mean, like we're uh, James Beard Award winning, you know, two years in a row. But our coffee program is damn good, you know, and it's three things that we always have to carry. It's either black owned, locally sourced or woman owned. And that's all the coffee that you see in Maketo. It's so important. It goes back to your point about building community people want to support those things. So it's like, where do we go to actually find that? That's not Starbucks. That's not a super corporate bookstore. Yep. 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 You don't have to support corporation. It's plenty of local. Like I just started a couple months ago. I only shop at locally owned grocers. I try not to do anything corporation. So I try not to do Whole Foods anymore. I try not to do Trader Joe's anymore. I try not to do like Wegmans or like Walmart, everything local. I mean, like who's going to support our ecosystem if you don't? You know, like I I take that to heart. It's not in everything in my life, but I'm trying. (laughs) But I try to take that model and apply it into my own business as well, you know? Looking towards the future, what are you passionate about? Not just with Cool Kids Vinyl or with Digging Through the Crate, but in general. What are you really looking forward to? I'm not going to label it as a certain thing, but I'm very excited about the opportunity to create. And that sounds so generic, but like you'd be so surprised of the stipulations that people have to go through. So their original dope idea doesn't turn out the way that they want it. I really am looking forward to the opportunity. Like Maketo, for example, was a phenomenal like opportunity for me. I may not have even seen it at first, you know, just going into it, you know, just working a job. But that community of people and getting to know people and getting to know like, oh man, nah, they really think that I can do this and this. And, you know, you get that assurance within your peers and then you take a leap of faith on whatever that you want to accomplish. But I've seen that happen a handful of times in my life, you know, just looking back. I don't know. I've just been very introspective as I approach 30. I'm a very uh, optimistic person. So I just feel like, you know, coming out of this pandemic is going to be a lot of opportunity for the right type of creative person. And like I said, I'm not a trend person. If I was, I'll have so many NFTs. But like, I'm not a trend. I'm not a trend person. I react solely based on my interest and my passion. And um, I'm just excited, man. I'm really, really excited for just the opportunity to create. And whether that be in, you know, whatever field, I'm just not going to like limit myself, you know? Like two years ago, I wasn't thinking I'm going to have my own coffee book. You know, here we are. I'm not turning down or turning away from anything. Like no stone is going to be untouched. My New Year's resolution last year was just to be more present. Don't live too much in the past. Don't live too much in the future. Really, really don't take for granted the opportunities that's in front of you. 
and the moments that you have. Soak all of that shit up and be a sponge to it. So I'm living very present in the moment, but I can't wait for just these future opportunities that I will have. It's so perfect that you mentioned being present because when I think about someone who's a DJ and then who owns and operates a physical space, you have to be present. You have to understand why people want to be there in the moment and really look at your surroundings and understand what's going to keep people there. If I had never interviewed you, I would have thought that the plan all along was to open Cool Kids Vinyl and to do Digging Through the Crates. But what I'm really starting to see is that your commitment to your own creativity is really what brought these ideas to life. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I try to live in my own world. Like a lot of people say, you're not, you're not a master of anything unless, unless you spend 10,000 hours doing it. I've spent 10,000 hours being myself and, and, and knowing who I am and my creativity. So, you know, I live within that and I step out every now and then. So I have one final question for you. It's kind of a fun one, but how would you define cool? How do I define what is cool? Um, hmm, that's a good one, actually. That's not even a funny one. That's a good one. I don't know. If it just, I don't know, because you're cool. You know what's cool and what's not. But it's so subjective, even like when it comes to people. Like some of like the most quirkiest, you think these people like, eh, he ain't cool. It's like, yo, this nigga is cool as hell, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's all subjective. But I think cool for me is something that's it just doesn't care about the outside. It lives within its own and, and sustains its own. It doesn't have to feed off of other entities to make up of itself. Whether it's a product, whether it's a person, whether it's a brand. I love brands and people and things that like create a world of its own and lives by that. I was talking to somebody the other day about how cool Harry Potter was. And... I, <laughs> It was a younger person. I was like, yo, like, you may not know. Like, the movies may seem a little out of date to you now, but when I was younger, the books and the movies was the shit. But I was saying to a larger point, like, I was interested in stuff like that as a kid, like Lord of the Rings, uh, Harry Potter, how people are into, like, Game of Thrones. Like, it's its own world, like, it's, and you can get caught yeah. in that. And that's why I'm a big, like, MF Doom fan. He has his own world. He has characters within his own world that make up him. That's cool to me. Like something that can live on its own and sustain its own self. Like it doesn't need any outside noise or entity to help make it better or worse. Like it, it, it is what it is. Like that, that's cool to me. A Few Minutes podcast was created by me, your host and producer, Elise Ellis. Our sound designer is Eric Aaron. And shout out to Aaron Monaghan for our music. If you have a few minutes, follow us on social at A Few Minutes Pod and share this episode with a friend. Thank you all for listening and we'll be back.